Hello and welcome East Hull, the Robins are heading to Wembley. Before then we have another date with the Warriors and head coach Willie Peters has rung the changes with three loan signings and a raft of youngsters set to take on Wigan in what is set to be a win- wet and windy Friday evening at the DW Stadium. Joining me this week is Scott Solway and Dan Craft. And we're going to start with Scott because Dan's not ready to join us just yet. So, Scott, I mean, Challenge Cup final, um, it's almost like Super League's peeled into insignificance a, a little bit, hasn't it? But, you know, we can't take the, the eye off the prize almost, Scott, because Friday is an important game yet. Um, Captain uh, head coach Willie Peters has made a number of changes, which is probably quite understandable in the circumstances. Yeah, I think it has to be. Um, he's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't, isn't he, really, to a certain extent. He's got to protect the players that we need to play at Wembley, but on the same understanding, he's got to try and put as best of a competitive team out as he can. I'm not a believer in that we deliberately throw the game, but when you look at the, the 21-man squad, it is full of young kids and loans. And yeah, there's a couple of experience, bit of experience in there in Matty Stoughton, Jim Kynos, Ron Milnes. But I wouldn't be surprised if they're the three players that don't that don't make the cut as well. You know, I wouldn't be surprised at all. So it might be just that his name, Kynos, Milnes, are aiding people like that, just as part of the squad to fulfil the 21. And they might not make it. But I'm sure that whichever team go out there at Wigan on Friday night, you know, they'll wear the shape of pride. Yeah, that, that might, you know, well, you know, Stranger things have happened. You know, you never know. They might roll up and just give them a game. But uh, if we're being realistic, it's more, it's more like just fulfilling a fixture, really, I think, <laughs> just to make sure that we can put a competitive team out. And with the reserves playing as well prior to that, it, his hands are tighter, really, aren't they? You know, the reserves have been promoted to the first team, which means that probably the under-16s and under-18s are going to be playing for the reserves. You know, so I think Willie's hands are tied to a certain extent. But <sighs> is it the right thing to do? I think it is. But looking at history... From what I've read and bits I've picked up, teams that have rested players for a Wembley final haven't gone on to be too successful at Wembley. So it's quite interesting because I think Lee are going to have to go with a full squad near enough on Sunday at Leeds, I think, because they don't have a reserves or an academy. So they, I don't think they have much choice in fielding a majority of their first team squad. Will that benefit us or will it benefit them? I don't know. don't know. We'll find yeah. out. Well, fact, well Scott, we'll... We'll talk a lot more about the the Wigan game um, later on in the podcast, but I mean, it, we almost forget, don't we? That Rovers played Castleford last week. That seems to have um, fallen into the, to the backdrop of, of the uh, the Towns Cup final, and obviously it's a short game against Wigan. And and to be fair, Scott, it was quite a comprehensive victory in the end, wasn't it? And and there's some supporters even then clamouring for Lee Peters to make changes in, and that was you know two two weeks ahead of the final. Um, but in the end, uh, thirty-four point. To 16, uh, the Robins were out uh, victorious. Um, although there was times where you felt Rovers probably weren't at the best, it was still quite a, a comprehensive victory in the end. 
Yeah, uh, I think that the result was never in doubt. Um, it went with the full squad. I think it was interesting that he did that. I mean, I think with, with, with two weeks prior to a final, you you would do that anyway. Um, I thought the Hooks played really, really well. I think Andy last mentioned that um, Matt Parcel and Jeslin ran his team ragged. Some nice tries scored. I don't think we really got out of second or third gear, if we're being honest. I think we had lots more to go. And considering Cass hadn't played the week before and they'd had that week off, um, I probably expected more from Cass, really, considering the scrapping for the lives. But I think it was a game Rovers was seen to win without really getting out of third gear. Um, and I think we, we did enough to win. It could have been a, a bigger margin than that, but we did okay, didn't we? You know, 34, 34-16, a convincing win. It could have been 40. If we'd have to taken more of our chances and been a bit more composed, we could have had 40, 50 points, I think. So, yeah, steady game to win. Um, disappointed with Cass considering the scrapping for the lives um, but you can only beat what's in front of you on the day and that Rovers did that convincingly last Friday Dan good evening thanks for joining us on the podcast um, it's funny there Scott just said about um, at one point it looked like he was going to put a number of points on him and when you look at the uh, at the way we're racing to a 16-0 lead after 22 minutes I mean I was thinking this is going to be 50-60 points um, Rovers seem to set the foot off the gas um, I suppose overall, Dan, the most disappointing aspect of that performance was them few sloppy tries. What what we let in because there's no there's no mistake. I mean, Castleford were pretty poor, weren't they? I mean, they didn't they didn't really deserve to come away with the, the 16 points. What they did in the end? No, it's uh, John. I think we took the took foot off gas, didn't we? In 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 first half, towards the end of it, I do think we could have run away with it. We were. Finding gaps, Parcel terrorised him, didn't he? he? Was finding gaps in the line every time he got the ball straight from dummy half. He was away, wasn't he? Uh, it, it was disappointing to concede a couple of tries, but you do feel like come come out second half, they sort of must have got together at half time and said, "Come on, lads, let's just let's just blow these away." We never really, I think I, I, I tweeted it. We never really had to go out with second gear, did we? It was it, it was a game that you're looking at their squad. They, we we always should have won it. We was always going to win it, probably. But we we, we thought probably at half-time, the scoreline probably flattered them, didn't it, looking at it? Yeah, and, and to be fair, right, Dan, because at half-time, um, Willie Peters must have said something because it was the Robin Scott who went in first uh, for another another try just after half-time, uh, Minchella, and then Bachelor goes in, and then Castleford get the yellow card on, what was it, uh, 55 minutes? Ethan Ryan scores during that, and with um, what a third of the game to go, 34 points to 10, it ended up being a bit of a procession at the end. And uh, credit to Castleford, I mean, I don't think they really gave up, but I think it was after the it was either the first or second try, Scott, and I saw some of the Castleford players leaning on the posts uh, mm. after the, the score of try, and you think, hang on, this this isn't a side that, that should give us any worries. And do you know what, Scott? I mean, credit to the Robins because we've seen so many times before, haven't we, sort of after the Lord Mayor's parade where quite easily, you know, the Rovers could have lost that game. Um, they're turning a really professional performance and in reality, I dare say we couldn't have asked for anything more from the Robins. I think the main thing was, if you'd have, had, if you'd have asked Willie Peters before kick-off, it'd be just to take the two points. But it was a very professional performance, I think, as well. Certainly coming off the back of 
a tough semi-final. Um, it was a tough game, that Wigan game. You know, I know the euphoria of the golden point and the drop goal, and I'm sure the players were celebrating long into the Sunday night. But then you're always thinking of the next game, and mm. you do come unstuck sometimes. You know, your next game, it's like after the Lord my shows you mentioned there, Jono, sometimes you just... Um, you're just lacking a bit of energy, lacking a bit of firepower, and it's a bit lethargic and a bit ploddy. Um, but it, I just thought we'd work very professionally in what we did. As I say, we can only beat what's in front of you. I was really disappointed with Cass, considering they're a team fighting for the lives. But Rovers were great, I thought. You know, it's, some of the trials we scored and the way we executed them was fantastic. Um, I think Reese Kennedy probably had his best game in a Rovers shirt. Some argued he played well in the semi. He did. But I thought it was great against Cam. Uh, and we just seem to have a few players now that are just coming into a bit of form as well, which is which is which is a blessing really. So, you know, and we've got a few players now coming, just hitting a bit of form, a rich vein of form. Players who maybe have been struggling a little bit, and we've mentioned before players like Reese Kennedy who've been to, who've probably had a little bit of abuse, maybe undeservedly earlier on in the season. Um, but he's now coming into a bit of form, and we're finding the the real player. Reese Kennedy was and why he turned out so many times for Brisbane like he did. You know, you don't play for Brisbane as many times as he did if you if you're not very good, do you? <laughs> so you no, know, you and, yeah. and, and I suppose the thing is down with Reese Kennedy. I mean, it's funny because he got named man of the match. Where if you look at stats wise, it was probably George King who was a top performing prop uh, on the day. Um, and we know what George King brings to style. Of course, we do. But what you suggest is it's. Um, it's not necessarily the stats for East Kennedy. It's the impact. It's what he does during them carries. It's what he does with the offloads. And and, and there's no doubt that over the last few weeks, Dan, that Reese Kennedy has really upped his game. And and yeah, he might have been a bit of a slow burner and maybe it took a bit of him time to adapt. But now we're starting to see the, the best of Reese Kennedy. He's almost like a, a new sign, isn't he? The, the impact, what he's having on the side. Yeah, the start of the season, he was just... I don't know if he was just trying a bit too hard to win over the fans. Every, everything he was doing, he was he was looking for the offloads that weren't there. He was just, to, he, but the, he seemed, his fitness seems to have improved. At the start of the season, he was only managing about 10, 15 minutes, whether or not Willie Peters was just hooking him because he wasn't playing that well. But he's he, he been putting in some big minutes and he, at the end of his stint, even the, fan, the fans are clapping him off because he's putting a good effort. The thing that was telling for me was when he got awarded man of the match, you look over, he was sat on the bench at that point, five minutes to go, and everybody, everyone on the bench was stood up giving him a pat on yeah. the back. And you, it made me wonder, as obviously, I was getting a bit of stick on Twitter. One of they say that players don't look at Twitter, but they obviously do, don't they? You just wonder if he was having a hard time settling in, and you know, it's the lads getting behind him now that he's finally coming into his own. I think last, last three games, everybody's been saying he's one of the best players out on the pitch for us, yeah. In terms yeah. of his work rate, which is all oh, we can ask, in it we know, we know he's not a, he's never going to be a, the, the best prop in the world, is he? He's, he's, we know that, but it's his work rate. He's, he's up there with George King, like you say. George King is probably stats say he was man of the match, but it's sad, isn't it? You just come to expect it from King, any anything less than that, and you get disappointed with him. Yeah, George King has definitely set the bar, not necessarily for every other forward, but for himself. So yeah. we judge him maybe by a higher higher standard than we do to, to other props. But but Scott, I mean, for, for me, Reese Kennedy, he's um he plays. 
He plays. He's got minutes on the pitch, and when people compare him to other forwards and falls right in the pass, etc., do you know what? He's on the pitch. He's playing week in, week out, and and for your forwards, I mean, that's what you want. That's what you want for your big money moves. I mean, we're not privy to know what contract is on, but he gets on the pitch and he plays almost week in, week out. I think he's played. He's played nearly every game. I'm, I'm trying to think. I think he might have missed a couple of games, uh, if one one at most. But he plays, and now he's bearing the fruits of his labour by the performances that he's putting in. His knuckle down. Uh, I think, like like Dan says, he was doing smaller minutes when he first arrived, and we're getting 10, 15 minutes stints out of him, and we're thinking, hang on, this is a an overseas quarter spot here. You, you, you've got to get more out of your overseas players. You know, as you, as you just said, John, we don't know what contracts these players are on, but they're not coming over from Australia for peanuts. So you've got to get as much out of them as you can and make sure that everything that they give is worth every penny, you know, that, that, you, that you're paying them. And then we've seen that with Reese now. I think he's fantastic. I agree with Dan. He was trying a little bit too hard at the start of the season. He was trying stupid offloads, wasn't he? And, you know, you know the stupid players that just weren't on at the start of the season. But now he just seems to take the ball. I'll carry the ball. I'll drive it in. I'll do my job and I'll set the groundwork for, you know, for, for, for the next couple of tackles. And that's what he should be doing. That's his job, I think. It's a bit like George King. No nonsense. Take the ball in, drive it in, set the groundwork and build it for the, for the next two or three tackles in, in the set. And I, I would say along with George King, as I said, George King sets the bar. It sets the bar for himself, as you've said. But I think Reese is... Matching George King now is right up there with him. He's, he's, he's playing fantastically well. Good on him, you know, because he's done well. I think he admitted himself in an interview, didn't he? Um, I think it might have been with Joe in the whole Daily Mail recently that, you know, the colder weather and it's not it really improved, has it, to be fair? But, you know, the, <laughs> they've got the colder so, weather. Ironic he's playing better and the summer's no yeah. different for the winter. Yeah, yeah. I think he mentioned himself at the start of the season with the cold weather and, you know, we all had hats and gloves on. He struggled with that coming from Brisbane. Uh, but so the, the slightly warmer weather has benefited him. But he's also got to take the ball by the horns as a player as well. And, and he's certainly done that. He, he's, he's in my 17 every week, without a doubt. Yeah, and Dan, that's what, I mean, it came, for me, it became more apparent than ever under the Tony Smith era that your props, you can't have four George Kings, you can't have four Matty Stortons, you can't have four... Reese Kennedy's, you know, you can't have four so-so Sous. You need to have a range of props who do different things at different times for the side. And, and Reese Kennedy falls into that bracket in terms of being a different type of player to the other ones. And, and you know, probably unfairly, we compare because George King does so much so consistently, and 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 he's a seven out, uh, eight out of ten every game. You know, he's who we compare him to, but. There's no doubt that Reese Kennedy, what he does in his game is different to what George King does and it benefits the Robins at different times and, and it's good to see the Robins having a range of forwards and, and, and I wonder, God, where would be if Salso Sue was still playing now as well because um, coming into the, this sort of third part of the season, um, it be would be really rich in the forwards if he was still fit. Yeah, it's it's probably one of the one of the good things that Tony Smith did when he was well, he did a lot of good things in fairness to him, but he's he adapted us to the modern game. If you look at like a, a Lee Radford coach side, he just liked the big players. Like uh, you look at his old side, we had Chicken Satay up there and Liggy Sow. He had just he likes big lads, didn't he? 
Well, you only have to look at Castleford to see what yeah. trouble they have for now. Drama, it just wasn't. It, it's not the modern game, is it? It might have worked 10, 15 years ago, but with all the interchanges now, you need to be fit. Like you can have Saturday, someone like that, a big lump, but you ain't going to put in your your 20, 20, 25 minute stints as he just comes on wrecking ball for 10 minutes. Well, I think we've found that balance now, haven't we? Especially yeah. with, like you say, Sue Kennedy, Stoughton, King, they seem to be our starting well, props at the minute, don't they? Well, not at the minute with Sue, but you know what I mean? Um, it's it, We seem to have found that balance. It's the the stamina now of a prop. Gone, gone are the days where you, you big beer belly, big barrel that you can't tack. You're still seeing championship and that, don't you? But it's gone are the days of that. You have to, you have to be quite... Agile to be a prop, bit more mobile now, don't you? Rather than just a big twenty-stone lump. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, most of the East Stand could probably play that position if that, that was still the case. I'm getting now. that way. Yeah, <laughs> I'm moving into the floor, I'm going. It's funny though, mate, because uh, it's not often uh, a prop leads the meters made. I mean, George King, hundred and fifty-six meters he made against Hasleford, which was more than any other player. Uh, Mikey Lewis was second with one hundred and forty-three meters. Ethan Ryan was fed with 142. Carries-wise, uh, Mikey Lewis had ball in hand the most, 22 carries. George King, 19 carries. Um, so it shows what an impact George King. Um, and we say uh, long live the King, don't we? Because um, it almost feels like when he doesn't play, um, he's such a, like we've already said, he's such a mainstay in the side that when he doesn't play, it's... it's um, Unfathomable, really. We don't know what, quite what to make of it when he's not in the tide. Uh, but credit to Reese Kennedy. I think he was deserving of the man of match. Uh, another player who excelled and he was named in the team of the week, Scott, was Elliot Minchella. And what a return to what a return to the side uh, he's made. I mean, by all accounts, coming into the semi-final earlier than expected uh, because of injury. He then comes and, and backs that up with a, a fantastic performance in Castleford and... He just, he, you know, it's funny. He, he glided into the side, but he, that's how he plays. He just glides around. You don't, I think Elliot Minchella's greatest, you know, the greatest credit you could play, pay to him is that you don't almost notice he's in the side sometimes, but you notice when he's not. He, I think we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, John, that he does all that dirty work in the middle of the pitch as well. Him and Dean Hadley between them do a lot of that. Uh, and you're right, you sometimes... He just gets on with his job. He's a great leader. Again, very much like George King. He's eight out of ten every week. He does his job. He's a leader in the middle of that park. He'll take the ball in. He'll tackle all day for you. And you're right. When he's not in the team, you see there's something missing. There's something missing in the team when Elliot's not there. But when he's there, sometimes you, you're right. Sometimes you don't even notice that he's there. He's just doing his job. And I think we mentioned the other week when James was on about like Tom Opacic, who, who just does his job as a centre. Minnie does that as well. And he's a great leader. And I think he, I think the other forwards look up to him as well and say, you know, if you look at his work rate, his defence rate, the amount of tackles that he makes and all the dirty work that he does in and around the rook and things like that, you certainly know when he's not on the pitch. And to come back, I mean, I'm hearing that he's still carrying this neck injury that he, that he got a couple of weeks ago and he's, and he's playing through it. So hopefully it can't be too bad. Perfect decision to rest him this week against Wigan, back for the final, hopefully. But he, whether he's playing through a pain barrier or what, I, I, I don't know. But this was a two to six week injury and he was back after two. So, and for all the, for all the work that he does, 
I, I just don't know. It, it, it don't bother him come Wembley time, you know. It, I, I think wrestling this week will certainly be beneficial to him, as it will all the other players. But for him to turn out and keep putting the performances in that he did against Wigan in the semi and Cass on Friday, with with potentially still a neck injury, is quite phenomenal, really. He again is another player that's in your first, well, your first thirteen. He's always, he's always your thirteen. If he's fit, he's your thirteen, isn't he? All the time, every week. Yeah, and Dan, I'll come to you very shortly. I mean, just. On Elliot Minchella, Scott, I mean, I'm not a rugby league aficionado by any stretch of imagination, a historian of the game. But for me, he seems to be the classic loose forward, the, the, the player who's got a little bit of everything. He's, he's got he's got the pay. I mean, the try he scored, he came in like a steam train, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, absolutely steamed in there for it. But he's got He's got the uh, the skill with ball in hand. He's got the aggressiveness when he's making the tackles. He's got the know-how to be in the right position at the right times. And, and you know, when I look at some of the loose forwards in the past and, and you're talking about the great ones, I mean, Gary Schofield, etc. You know, great, great player. Then for me, Elliot Minchella, he seems to be someone who, who, who could have that ability to be one of the greats, I think. I really do think that about him. I think the olden day loose forward back in the day were were probably slightly different in today's loose forwards. I don't think they did as much, perhaps perhaps didn't do as much defending as, as the loose forwards do nowadays. I mean, Elliot spends a lot of time in the middle of the pitch. I remember when Dave Hall um, moved from full back into standoff and then he went to loose forward. Dave was a, one of the best players that ever played for Rovers. You know, a fantastic ball handler at loose 13. If you uh, in, in the loose forward, if you see when we always played Cass in the, in the Premiership final, he, he was putting players through gaps and stuff like that. I don't know whether Minnie's that kind of player, but he's certainly got that in him, hasn't he? As you say, the ball handling skills. He's got a great offload. He'll take the ball in all day. He'll tackle all day for you. He's a, he's a, he's a great all-rounder. And I'm not even sure how old he is. Is he 26 this year? Is he? Uh, I mean, he's probably... He's not even that old, is he, Dan? I think he's... He's, he's... 27 years, yeah. Is he? Is so he? he's coming into the prime, isn't he, of his career? Oh. I'm not, yeah. I'm not. I'm not a stat. I just googled it now. Sorry. You're not sending him by birthday cards. You haven't got all the players' dates of birth ready. Well, that's that's something we're all going to. <laughs> but I guess he is. He, yeah, if he's 27, we've got him in his prime, then haven't we? Um, it should just be coming into his own now, and that probably is the reason why. When he doesn't play, we we'll miss him so much. He's. It would be one of the first names on the team sheet every week. Yeah, and Dan, I mean, a player who, who's age-wise probably not in his prime yet, but someone who is fulfilling his potential at the moment is um, Mikey Lewis, isn't it? The last couple of games in that fullback role, what a revelation he's been. And um, whether it's because he's thriving off the ability to, to have the ball in hand more, and, the, and I think running, I think he's a running player and he likes to run. There's no doubt is he at fullback, you get the opportunity to run into space, etc. You only have to look at. Um, I mean, 11 tackle busts he made against Castleford, the, the most out of any player. Normally, SKD land, uh, wins that uh, hands-down every week, but it was Mikey Lewis who came up with 11. Uh, second top metres made, uh, most carries. Um, he seems to be thriving in that full-back role. Yeah, just going to throw it out there. I've been saying quite a few weeks when Coat retired, he's, he's the answer. Mikey Lewis is a full-back. He's... You look at how he how he plays. He likes to attack the line. You know, he he he's got that space now at fullback to do that. Whereas when he's in the halves, especially with Rome Milnes, 
no disrespect to Rowan, but the teams know that Mikey Lewis is where everything's going to go through. So the targeting him, he doesn't have that space on the ball like he was when he was an entity when he was first sort of coming on the scene. And everyone knows Mikey Lewis now is is a let's close down and close Rovers down. Whereas when he's at fullback, he's got that space to sort of assess the line, and you could see it was sort of the way he was running with the ball. He was looking for the gap, whereas he wouldn't usually have that space to do that when he's in the arse. And the other thing you sort of look at as well is when we're pushing, when we're pushing up, he's always on the edge, on the shoulder of that uh, like Parcells, uh, Kenny Dell, always looking for that that second ball. It, it is like over another half, in, in but he's and it, he was solid under the high ball as well, wasn't he? So I think he's got all the makings of fullback. You look at someone like Sam Tompkins; he started his career in the half, didn't he? He was a standoff. Yeah, it's a great comparison. It is a really great comparison. And, and, you know, Scott, when you look at um, Pet Hicku, he's he's apparently being lined up to play fullback. If you read all what Willie Peters has said, you know, you'd you almost say, well, why would you, a player who's in the NRL playing every single week at centre, why do we need to convert him to a fullback when you've got potentially a player who could line up? I mean, also, it does pose a question at the end of the season, doesn't it? Because Schneider... We've only gotten to the end of the season. Does he earn a new deal? If he does earn a new deal and Abdul become, becomes fit, then you've got Abdul Lewis, uh, Milnes, Schneider. Well, Ford up going to two, do they? So is this an opportunity to to be able to cater for them? And and um, I do. I just I like watching Lewis at fullback because he just seems to have the freedom to to play the way he wants to play. And and what when he comes into line as well. Like when Coop played, he is that offensive player who's got the ability to either score a try himself or he's got the ability to make the offload, make the pass. And, and at the moment, and it's only two games, don't get me wrong, but he does seem to be sort of moving into that fullback role quite quite astutely. I think what benefits him as well is he doesn't have to do all that defending. You know, when he's, when he's up in the line and having to teams target him, teams running him, the big lads are running at him. Don't get me wrong, he throws his body on the line every tackle does Mikey. But I think um, it might be at the highest missed tackle count for Rovers this season, purely down to the fact that the big lads were throwing himself at him. You, when you take him out that equation and put him at full-back, well, he's fresh for the full 80 minutes then. He, he's not been run over the top of by the six-foot-four prop. Um, so he's got all the time in the world you know, to take the high ball and come out, join the line and link in and bring other players into play. I agree. I think his it's, it's natural position going forward is a fullback. Now, whether Hiku would go into the centres or, but I know, I think Hiku, as you say, has been signed to play the fullback role to replace Coop, but I just, the way Mike is, again, as you said, it's only two games, but the way Mike is playing at fullback at the moment, it seems a natural transition for him just to drop into that position. And the fact he doesn't have to do all that defending in the line on the edges, it keeps him fresh for the full 80 minutes and, you know, when, when teams are, are tiring and, 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 and they're a bit worn down, he's a live wire. It, it, you know, you give him the ball in open field, you know, it'll, it'll cause all sorts of damage over 80 minutes, I think. So I, I think it's the way forward, but whether Willie sees that, I don't know. But on the first two games that he's played there, it looks sensational. And I think it's a great option for Mikey going forward, without a doubt. 
Yeah, Michael Morton watching on YouTube. He makes a great point. He says Mikey Lewis will will run riot in the open space at Wembley. Of course, it's a it's a huge pitch at Wembley, uh, as we found out in 2015. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it's a big old pitch. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see where Mikey Lewis does line up for the uh, Challenge Cup final. And um, while we're talking about imports, Dan and, and players for next season, who's playing where? Um, Oliver Gildart, uh, surprised to see him lining up. For the Lee Leopards uh, for the remainder of the season? Yeah, it's not something I particularly agree with, but I think listening to Willie Peters, and he said that they've, he knows he knew it was going to happen, but the club have spoken to him, and I think they've got a gentleman's agreement with Lee that he can't play. I don't think he can play in the cup final, can he? He's cup tied because you have to be registered before the semi. And I don't know if he can play against us. Yeah. Well, I'll find, I'm going to find out, Dan, because um, Derek Beaumont is joining me next week for the podcast. Yeah, he's, really? uh, I've, I've, I've spoke to him, I've texted him, and he said 100% he's coming on. I'll ask him the question: What is the have they got a deal in play? I mean, it'd be funny if they have got a deal in place because, by all rights, Rovers can't claim any no. ownership over him, can they? Until what is it, first of November, when he when his contract kicks in? So I'll be very surprised. Uh, if that does happen, but um, nothing surprises you in rugby league anymore, does it? No, and I'm sure they'll have, they won't have just left it with him, will they? They'll have been a word in his ear. If you're going to do this, here's, here's the ground rules. Uh, but they they won't have. It's just something that's something I've heard. Well respected journalist is not not usually far wider than Mark. He seems to think Anthony Milford has been targeted. The next season from Dolphins, we're looking at him as a marquee signing. So that wow. could be that was that's he's usually not far wrong, the fellow I'm on about. So that could be an answer in the halves, couldn't it? With, with Abdul, same somebody said uh, Milnes is looking at Leeds for next season, so it could be a number we're losing. Yeah, I mean, Scott, I mean, someone like. Milford, I mean, we're in that market now, aren't we? We saw that with Phil yeah. from Newcastle. You know, the offer was on the table. I know he's yeah. just um, he signed a new deal at Newcastle to to remain there. But it shows you what um, ballpark we're playing in now in terms of bringing players in. And, and Lakin said that they're quite happy to go down the market route, which means that money's there. Um, this Gildart deal. Um, you get the sense, I watched Willie Peters' press conference and he was questioned about it. You get the sense, reading between the lines, he's not that happy about it. More to the point, because I think Rovers want off the opportunity to sign him. Uh, it seems to be a deal done behind behind Rovers' back, almost. I think Willie said when we, when we were spoken about a few weeks back, could we bring Hiku and Gilda over early when we had our major injury crisis? Hiku was a, probably a no-no due to him being a quarter place, but with Gilda being English and British, he was the option that we could have probably brought in earlier. You know, but I think Willie said to him, you know, it's down to the player. If the player wants to come early, we might be able to take him early. For them to go and sign for Lee for the remainder of the season I, I don't understand it whatsoever mm. I really can't get my head around it especially surely he must have said it clearly hasn't from what I can make up but you make contact with your club and say look I'm willing to come over now do you want to take me or alternatively I can join somebody else for the remainder of the pictures of the season well, you just think but, it's courtesy wouldn't you you just yeah. think 
his agent will go, right, first dibs. Look, he's he, he's he's open to a move back home early. Do you fancy him? Now, yeah. I know there's been some talk about the salary cap, i.e. that um, the deal he's on at the moment and what Lee were able to pay him to the end of the season is something we couldn't match because we couldn't get him in under the cap. Um, I don't know how true that is because obviously Lachlan Coach retired, so that's freed up a bit of money. Um, but Willie Peters said, well, we haven't even been had the conversation about him coming over, which yeah. is it just seems a bit that the whole scenario just seems a little bit strange, doesn't it? Just it doesn't sit for a lot of supporters. I mean, a lot of supporters I've seen on social media said could not give a toss, not bothered one bit. He's not our player till November, so I don't care what he does. A lot of people are thinking, well, it seems a bit fishy. I mean, let's not forget, he's still got the opportunity to play against us. I know Dan said, well, there's a gentleman's agreement where he plays or not. But we could still meet Lee in the playoffs as well. Now, that's yeah. another mm -hmm. care ball. And we're all talking if and buts again. We don't know what's going to happen. But it just, like I said, it just seems a bit of a, a, bit of a weird one. It's just that Rovers didn't seem to know anything about it whatsoever. That... To me, just just doesn't sit right. Not not from a Oliver Gildart perspective, from his agent perspective, and from a Lee Leopard's perspective. Mm. I just think there's something doesn't sit right there with me. He's, yeah, we know he's got the right to play for who he wants until November, until he becomes a Robin. But it's common decency and courtesy for me to contact the club you're going to join in November and say, "Look, this is what's happening." I can come over and if you've got space for me, I can join you. This is the club I'm going to be playing for for the next three years. So do you want to take me early? But to have no, from what I can make on, there's been no contact with Rovers whatsoever. The first thing they know is that Oliver Gildart is Sandley. That just doesn't sit right with me whatsoever. Even though he's got the right to do that, he hasn't done anything wrong. He hasn't broken any rules. Neither is his agent and neither of Lee. But it doesn't sit right with me that he hasn't spoke to Rovers first. There's something wrong with that. No, and, and I think the and that's it. Like I said, Dan Willie Peters press conference really that the sentence from Willie Peters would have been, yeah, we was offered him, but for us it financially wasn't right at the time. We're glad that he's he's coming over to England. We wish him all the best, and I'm sure when he comes back, uh, to, uh, when he comes for the Robins, he'll be fit and raring to go. But there's none of that, was there? It was just a uh, no. We've not spoken to him. We haven't been offered him, and that was it. And um, I mean, some people have said, well, he's a, he's a Wigan lad. He's going over to Lee. Is uh, is it an opportunity to get his head turned and and, and maybe regain on his on the deal he signed for the Robins? I mean, time will tell. I suppose, will it? Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't think it that'll happen. I think he's committed to us from end of the season. I think you watch the NRL. He's been getting a lot of stick, and he he's not really that well thought of over there for one reason. Well, or if you watch the NRL this season, Dan, you won't see him. He hasn't played, he's played once or twice for Dolphins, has he? I don't think he's played once, has he? Is he not? No. He's, but he, even when he was at West Tigers, he wasn't really that well thought of. Was, you just type in Gildar, it was just a torrent of getting back. Please just send him back to England. But I don't read too much into that. But the, I think it'd be interesting if you speak to Derek next week, he's, he's done usually, uh, he doesn't usually hide behind things, does he? We'll probably tell you straight. When it's whether or not, if you look at their squad, I think Scott mentioned it earlier about resting players, they don't have a lot of players. No, they've done well with injuries. I think if they'd have got injuries this season, they'd be struggling. Yeah. Done well and that them. has been the key to their success, hasn't it? I've, I mean, yeah. it was a few weeks ago when I saw Sky put the stat up where 
Uh, teams who've got the most plays, who've played the most games, and Lee were up there with like 10 or 12, 11 plays have played every single game this season, um, which is almost unheard of. And, and to be fair, Lee, it's going to be really interesting to see what squad they announce for the game against Leeds because they don't have a, a reserve side. They don't have um, an academy side. So they're not exactly blessed with any depth in the squad. Um, and I wonder now if there's a bit Maybe of panic going on. the cap space has come from then, isn't it? It's, they don't have the, the numbers in depth. That's where the cap space has come from for Gildar, isn't it? That's what you yeah. got to look at. It. Yeah. Right. Some more club news. Um, Oliver Gildar, of course, signed for Lee. Um, the 3G pitch that uh, has been much heralded at Craven Park, is, the planning permission has been approved for that. That is subject to obtaining the necessary funding to build it. Um, so we hope to have some news on that very soon. And congratulations to the women's side who will be standing mm-hmm. to lift the League Cup. Um, they won 22 points to six. What a fantastic uh, 12 months it's been for them. And I know there's been lots of hard work going into to making sure that they're the best they can be. So congratulations to them. I'd love to get, if anyone's listening and you follow the women's side or you've got an opinion on the women's side and you want to come on the podcast, please let me know. I'd love to get you on and, and give... Um, some more coverage to the work that they're doing because I know they're a fantastic group and they deserve every success that they're getting and, and it's credit to Rovers for, for bringing them into the, the fold and, and treating them, you know, on the, from the community, uh, the, the foundation side and bringing them into the into the actual club and, and, and the way they look after them. So hopefully this is the start of more success to come because it is well-deserved. And a little rumour I saw as well, Scott, um, Justin Morgan in the running for the Warrington job. Um, yeah. Every every time a Super League job comes up at the moment, he seems to be getting linked with it, which makes me wonder if he's he's hankering on a return for uh, to the Super League. It's been it's been a mention every time a job comes up comes up in Super League. Justin Morgan's name gets bounded about. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether he'd be open to a move back to Super League. I don't know. And certainly, Cass is only forty minutes up the road. He's still got all his friends in the hole, you know. So maybe it fits him. Maybe it suits him. Um, I know Justin Holbrook's name's been banded about. More likely, potentially Warrington. But I think they're probably going to go with an Aussie coach or New Zealand coach down the road. Now, I think uh, if they're going to stay up, they're going to need somebody in pretty quick. A Cass because Wakey seems to have just hit a little bit of form now and seems to be picking up a few results here and there. And I know they play each other soon, don't they? Wakey and Cass a couple of weeks time, but. Justin Morgan, would, would he be a good fit for Cass? Maybe, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, the, the, I, I suppose, Dan, who is a good fit for, for, for yeah. uh, Wakefield? I mean, uh, Warrington, sorry, because um, Warrington in special, especially, Dan, I mean, they're just, they seem to be a bit of a car crash club, don't they? You know, you know They'd won Super League in April when there was parading around Catalans with Daryl Powell getting his his uh, pictures with all the fans and the and, and there was walking around like they'd they'd won the trophy. Well, they just they just don't seem to be able to get over the line, do they? And the amount of investment, the amount of money that goes into that club into that side for for what they turn out at the moment, they're just they're a bit of an anomaly, really, aren't they? They're a strange, strange old club. Well, it's one of the you look at their team on paper and you sort of think. Is it an example of players forcing the coach out? I I, I think they're they're rotten. They're, they're, as a club, they're rotten. I think I feel for the fans in a way because they are quite well supported, aren't they? But they they don't just they, there just seems to be a culture there that's not 
it's probably not too dissimilar to what ours was back in the days of Albert Kelly in 2015, the cup final year. I think that masked what was what we had within the club where it was a bit of a bad culture. And I think that's what Warrington and Castleford have got at the, at the present. That's why they're struggling. I mean, from what I've heard with Cass, I, I think it's just the people that are there don't care. The players that are there don't seem to care. They're just happy just to plod along and pick up a wage. Whereas the wakey players and that have started to knuckle down, aren't they? They've I mean, the big thing for Wakey in the relegation battle going off, off, off on a tangent from Warrington is that they've brought in Fafita and I think he just loves the club, loves the place, doesn't he? And I think he must have, everyone laughed at him, but he's sort of roused it, hasn't he? With them. And I, I think Wakey will stay up now. I mean, yeah. they've got a nice easy game at weekend, haven't they? So they're going to, against all, they're going to the cast game two points ahead of them in the league. And yeah. Maybe well, talking about clubs in crisis, um, if anyone wonders where Gary Fellis is at the moment, he's on holiday. He's uh, the assistant coach. He's uh, he's been given the uh, old heave at the end of the season. He's not took too. Uh, he's not too happy about it, so he's gone on holiday. Uh, so it'll be interesting to to uh, see how that plays out. Anyway, we don't want to talk about them because we're uh, we're talking about Challenge Cup finals and yes, potentially yes. winning oh, Super yeah, League, right. and uh, they're in the bracket with Castleford and relegation, etc. So we don't want to talk too much about them. Uh, Scott, uh, a great stat. Um, only three teams have not been beaten by 40 points or more this season. St. Helens, Catalan Dragons and Hull Kingston Rovers. Um, now, a lot of people said, I wish you hadn't fucking mentioned that because as, we, as I mentioned that, we go to Wigan uh, on Friday and we've named um, a squad that is pretty much unrecognisable to the squads we've named before. Um, and... Um, to be fair to Willie Peters, he's rolled the dice, hasn't he? he he's he's basically he, he's nailed his his close to the mass, and he said, "Look, my first team players, I'm going to look after them. I want my strongest possible team for the Challenge Cup final, which has led to the squad for Wigan." Um, I mean, amazingly, uh, the squad uh, starts at number seventeen. So, mm. in terms of numbers, <laughs> squad numbers, it starts at seventeen, and that's Matty Stoughton. It's almost unheard of. Um, so, Matty Stoughton, Jimmy Kynos, Rowan Mills, Dean Hadley, uh, Louis Senior, Louis Johnson, Yusuf Aydin, uh, Laula Tuhai, uh, Fishwick, Barley, Corey Hall, Walker, uh, youngster Lenny Ellis, another youngster Leo Tennyson, another youngster Louis Gorman, and then we've signed three players on loan, uh, Cesar Rouge from Catalan, Isaac Shaw from Wakefield, Luke Thomas from Warrington, and then the squad is supplemented by Harvey Horn, Harvey Reynolds, and Owen Mall. Um, so that the, he's pretty much, like I said, Neil is close to Matt, aren't he, Scott? He, he's he's, yeah. he's protecting them players, and um, he's named Dean Hadley as captain. Um, so there is still some spots up for up for play because he's not rested seventeen men, has he? So, um, what do you make of the squad, and, and do you think Willie Peters was right to do what he's done? I think he's earned the right, uh, and many teams have done it in the past. Um, maybe a few years ago, you know, maybe 2015 as an example. I don't think we had the luxury of resting a squad like like we have now because we just didn't have that backup and that the, the reserves in the academy that like we've got now. 
Um, I know there's a certain group of people on the other side of the river saying, well, you, you haven't blooded any academy or youngsters all season, so all of a sudden you're doing it now. Well, we've earned the right to do it. Um, and these guys, young kids as they are, will, with a few experienced heads, will we'll, we'll go out at Wigan tomorrow night and I'm sure they'll give, uh, sorry, Friday night, and they'll give everything that they've got in the tank. Yeah, they might come up short and they're expected to, but it'll be a good experience for them. And they'll probably, what you don't want is a Tonkin of 70 or 80. That's what you don't want. But I think they'll probably learn more by playing Wigan at Wigan than they would playing in an academy game. They'll probably learn more about themselves as individuals as well. And if Dean Adley and, you know, whether any of the other senior players that have been picked at the 21 do make the 17, I don't know. They might do. One or two. Well, certainly one or two will have to. Maybe they can help the young kids around the park. That'd be great. But it's a massive ask. And, you know, the 40 points that you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, it may, we may be, it may become two clubs <laughs> come Friday night, I'm thinking. But um, it's a fantastic statement to, to say that it's only St. Ellen's and Catalan and us who haven't been beaten by 40 points. I mean, those two teams speak volumes. To be in that three with them shows how far Rovers have come, doesn't it? Yeah, and Dan, I mean, that 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 drop goal Schneider got against Leeds uh, to win the game, I mean, the two points is... It, it, was massive at the time and it's even more bigger now because it's it's given us a little bit of breathing space in terms of league table. I mean, we're fifth in the table on 22 points. We're two points behind St. Helens. Of course, they've got that game in hand. We're level on point with Warrington uh, and then you have to go down to Salford in seventh place so we're on 20 points. Now, they're on minus 22 gold uh, points difference. We're on 57 plus. So it's going to take a, a huge result uh on, on, on Friday to, to move us down the table that far. So that two points just does give us just a little bit of breathing space. Um, and that, you know, that drop, drop goal was worth its weight in stone, I suppose. And, um, but like Scott said, Willie Peters earned the right to pick that squad. And, and are you firmly in the camp of all out for Challenge Cup final? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you you sort of you 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 got to wonder if at half time that was his half time team talk. Look, let's go out there, give it everything against Cast. Go out there, give it everything. Let's win this, and you can have the week off next week. Let's, let's target the cup. I mean, yeah, we've still got the league to pay, play for. I don't think we're going to make the grand final. I you know, I don't I don't think we are. Let's target the cup. It's it's best chance we're going to get, isn't it? I mean, Lee are invincible. Yeah, they're going well, but you watch them against Wigan the other day. They're not invincible. They're there for the taking. So, yeah, I'm in the camp of you rest. We've earned the right. We sat nicely on 22 points. We're still pushing for the playoffs. We haven't got a bad run in, have we? The fixtures. And we're not looking down at relegation. I think we're safe now, aren't we? Mathematically. <laughs> Is that where you're still looking, Dan? Is that no, just, that's a Rovers fan in you, isn't it? No, nobody can catch us, so let's just <laughs> sit everyone in the stands. I'll let them sit home with a nice cup of tea, relaxing. And, and if you look at the kids, you know, they're not going to sort of go out there and plod along, are they? This is their big, the three debutants, it's their, their big moment, isn't it? You know, they're going to be putting, leaving everything out there. They're not playing against kids anymore. They're playing against the big boys, are they? Wigging away. It doesn't get much bigger than that for young lad to make his debut, does it? So they'll they'll put everything in there. I, I can't see it being a 60, 70 points, but we'll get a tonk in, but I don't think it'll be a 60, 70 points. I think they'll leave everything out there. 
Yeah, I mean, um, a little bit more about the three players who've signed on loan, Cesar Rouge. He's probably the most well-known French international, played 13 times for the Catalan Dragons. He scored twice since making his Super League debut back in 2021. Um, I mean, he's the third Catalan Dragons to come on loan to the, to the Robins this season, following the footsteps of Tangai Zenon and Philwood Yaha. Um, Isaac Shaw, uh, he was playing in France up until recently. Uh, he was playing for... Villeneuve, he was, he's just signed for uh, Wakefield. He comes up on loan. He's supposed to be a no-nonsense prop. And then you've got Welsh international Luke Thomas from Warrington. Um, he's featured three times off the bench and he's played one game for the Swinton Lions this season. Um, they're not nobody's, Scott, but obviously they're not your, your tried and tested uh, Super League regulars. But then again, um, they give us the ability to, to put our competitive side and a lot of people um, have probably forgot as well. There's a reserve game that night. So yeah. the Rovers are fighting on two fronts there. They've, they've put a, a competitive squad out to play a first-team Super League game. And then they're also playing at a reserve-grade uh, uh, competition, which is credit to them for, you know, we've, I dare say Lee, who forgot to put a, a reserve side, have been fined every single week because they've had fixtures scheduled and not been able to f- fulfil them. Um, you know, credit to the Robins for, for actually going for it and, and, and putting two sides out and on the same night and, and backing up. And look, hey, it's a lottery, isn't it? We don't... The writing's on the wall for Rovers, isn't it? Wigan smarting after that semi-final defeat, um, named probably the strongest squad they could, could pro- uh, possibly name. Um, they're going to want revenge. They're going to want to put a, a real marker down. Um it's a lottery. We don't know what's going to happen. But credit to Rovers, Scott, for, for fronting up and putting two squads out on the same night. And, you know, let's see what happens. We could have easily cancelled the reserve fixture, couldn't we? we could have well, I, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking yeah. the same thing. There's plenty of teams, even though the fixtures have been scheduled, plenty of teams have cancelled yeah. the reserve fixture two or three days before the play it. Rovers could have said, oh, we can't fulfil the reserve fixture. Yeah. The fact that we're, th- we're throwing a team out there you know, yeah, it'll be made up of under 16s and under 18s, probably the reserve team, because most of the reserves are playing for the first team. Yeah. But you know, the fact that they're going to front up against two probably formidable Wigan teams, because Wigan's kids are the wrong side there. You know, our under 16s and our under 18s are going to be going up against Wigan's reserves, yeah. and then our our reserves are predominantly reserves, and young kids are going up against Wigan's first team. We could have easily said, "Now we're not playing the reserve fixture," but credit to Rovers. You know, and these not that anybody else's opinion matters, but all these other fans say, "Well, you know, why haven't you played your young kids prior to this season instead of bringing in Zenon and Yaha? You could have played the young kids then and stuff like that." There's a time and a place for everything, and some players just aren't actually ready to play the Abbey at such a young age. But sometimes your hands forced in a game like this, in this situation, when you've got a final on the horizon next weekend. Sometimes Willie Peters' hands have been forced. Do you know he could have put a full first team out there and they might have come through unscathed. But Rovers look, they probably wouldn't. <laughs> so he's gone, do you know what? I'm risk, I'm, risk, I'm going to protect the lads that I've got for Wembley and you lads get out there and have a go at Wigan. Fair play to him. Yeah, Dan, it's, it's worth pointing out that... Um... You know, a lot of people have been clamouring for Rovers to basically just put a full academy side out. And, and one of the reasons we've signed these three loan players is because um, once a player makes a first grade appearance, you have to have you have to you have to give offer them the minimum Super League contract. It's written in the rules, so minimum Super League contract is twenty k a year. 
Now, that might not sound like a lot of money, but it sounds like a lot of money to give someone for one game who might not have potentially a future at the club, which is why you can't just go handing out academy debuts to, to players willy-nilly because, you know, if you times that by five, six, seven, that adds up to a lot of money, um, which is why they've resisted the, the opportunity to do that. And, you know, it shows you, though, how important that players like Lenny Ellis, Leo Tennyson, uh, Louis Gorman are to the side because they look to be the future going forward and, and they're the reason that they're playing because Rovers are prepared to give them the contract um, going forward. But, you know, it's going to be a big step up for them, but it's going to be a great um, challenge for them. And, and, you know, let's see what they can do because the, the academy's been much heralded for the work that they're doing, the players that they're producing. Don't forget as well, you've got Connor Barley, Zach Fishwick, you know, players who potentially... Um, a closer to making a um, a state for a claim in the first team, closer than what Leo, Lenny, and, and Louis are. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they go on. But you know, don't forget back end of last season when we turned over the black and whites at at their ground when we when we played Magic Weekend and we had um, Zach Fishwick. These players sometimes it is come off the hour, come off the man, or come off the teenager more, more than the man. Yeah, exactly. Fish and Fishwick was one of the mainstays in the squad for the last end of last season, wasn't he? He was one of the main players. Barley had a few, didn't he? Score on his debut at St. Helens. So, yeah, the, there's no reason why they can't. I mean, Leo Tennyson, he ain't no stranger to first teams. Has he been on loan at Cornwall a few times? Played, turned out for Cornwall a few times, didn't he? I know it's a completely different level in League One. But yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a daft rule, that, isn't it? It, it they, they're offering them a contract if they play one game. I think it, it, it pushes clubs to not want to play academy players, give them a chance, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, I think, I think that rule about one game, maybe if the player played five or, you know, yeah. there needs to be maybe more of a because one game, you know, it does hamper a team, teams, doesn't yeah. it? It hampers the whole squad. It just does make you wonder how many of them would have actually been out there by now. Would we have played them instead of Tangy's in on or whatever if we if we if that wasn't the rule? And I think to be honest, it sounds daft, but is twenty k a lot of money for a professional sportsman at this? Well, you market? said didn't you? You could get twenty k uh, on the tills at Aldi, and that's yeah. no disrespect to anyone who does that job whatsoever. No, no, um, but what it does is. Just put into comparison the the the, the where the sport is, I suppose, because yeah. a lot of people on the outside look at it as a professional sport, it's a rich sport. There's lots of money in it. The reality is, rugby league's not a rich it's sport. Not a rich sport. I mean, we've got that bloke on our side, lad on our side. He's what's it, 20, 23. He plays for Cash Lock Lane, and he turns out for cash reserves every now and then. But he he says he's been offered deal at Midlands and teams like that, and he says. I am more money being scaffolded than I would if I went to play for them. Why would I do it? You know, I'm happy just to sit and play for Lockley. And so it just shows there's no money in the game, is there? It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, Scott, I mean, when you look at the squad, though, there is still a, a smattering of first teamers in there. Players who you probably expect to feature in the Challenge Cup final. I mean, Matty Stoughton, Jimmy Kynos, Roy Milnes. Dean Hadley, who's of course been named captain for the for the game, uh, Louis Senior, Louis Johnson, Yusuf Aydin. So you know you'd expect some of them to feature against Wigan in the final. Uh, the one that surprises me maybe most 
is uh, Ray Milne. Um, I don't know if this is a clue to where he's going to play or not, or whether um, Willie Peters thinks he, he's the right man for the job on, on on Friday. I mean, some people have said, well, he's probably going to be the one who might miss out, out of there. I mean, it's very hard. I know I've had a, a go out picking the team, but it's very hard to try and select a side from that. What you would say is Harvey Horn, Harvey Reynolds, Owen Maul, they're the three who are definitely going to miss out. And then there's another one out of everybody else who's going to miss out. And trying to predict that is is really difficult at the moment. Yeah. It's, it's a tough one. I mean, there is going to be a little bit of experience out there, I would have thought. You know, who knows? It, it might Willie might throw a curveball and it might be that he's on your name, Austin Milnes and all them, just to fulfil a 21-man squad. It might be a full 17-man Lone players and kids. I can't see that, but it's possible. Yeah, because they do need a bit of what you would say is this is a full strength. They do need a bit of, they need something out there, don't they? Because otherwise, um, you know, on the flip side, you're throwing the kids into a game where they've got, they need some experience growth to look up to to lead them around. They they need that. Yeah. If if Milne's done, if Milne doesn't play, I presume that would mean PLT will go into the halves with, with, with Rouge. That's, that would be the only option. So it suggests that Milnes will play um, and PLT might go into fullback maybe. I, I, I don't know. Um, but it's, it's interesting that, you know, Jimmy's in there as well. I mean, Jimmy's probably vying for a, a place on the bench at Wembley. Matty Stoughton certainly is. Um, you know, when you look at... Look, I know he's not been... He's always been more predominantly 18th man in recent weeks, but Lewis Johnson as well. But he's never let the team down when he's played. You know, so there is a little bit of experience in there. I think Dino's probably only playing because he missed he's missed the last two weeks yeah. now, hasn't he? Really, so he's only playing. He probably would have been one of the players who, if, if he'd have played against Cast last week, probably wouldn't have played this week. But because he's missed two weeks, I think he probably needs a bit of game time. And he's a good player to be, you know, a bit of experience to lead the kids around the park a bit on Friday night. Well, to, to be fair, Scott, I reckon if you said, "Oh, we're going for a kickabout on his park," anyone fancy? He'd probably be the first one to put his hand up. No, without a doubt. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, he's yeah. just an absolute warrior, isn't he? And, and that's probably half his downfall in terms of injury as well. Because he does he's, a brave, he's a brave guy. He's a brave lad. He's a bit like Minchella. He does all that dirty work in the middle of the pitch. And, you know, there's no wonder he's, you know, he pro- probably gets more injuries than maybe other players do. Certainly he's had his shoulder injuries in the past and he's had his HIA recently. But he puts his body on the land, you know, doesn't he? You know, he, don't, he don't, never ever takes a backward step, you know, and he's a great leader, certainly for the young kids who are going to be playing in that pack with him on, on Friday night. Yes, Dan, what, um, I mean, if realistically, what are you expecting? So, no, just as long as we make a good show of it, I'm glad it's not on Sky, put it that way. You know, we get the kids <laughs> I bet Sky are as well. Well, they put us on last year, didn't they, when we were struggling to put a team together against Wigan. Like that was going to be a good Friday night watch for everybody. We had, we had seven young lads last year, though, as well, didn't we? Who played? I think there were seven young kids played last year, and oh, uh, I, I think we were quite game in, in the game right right to the very end. Of the, yeah, and did Charlie Cavan play that game as well yeah, last year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if I was at neutral, they were playing in my back garden. I'd shut the blinds. It was, it was <laughs> you know, but I think as long I, I'd play Milnes, I think. This is a game for him to sort of show that he can lead a team around the park and that he's, he will be the leader out there. I know he's, he's, 
it's 23 and it's on all the all the ages of the players and that but well, you send him a birthday card as well <laughs> no that's not well november is it so we've got a while yeah i don't know that by the way i just made that um look yeah he's, he's 23 but he's it gives him a chance to show that he can be a leader on the pitch and he can direct the direct the young lads around the pitch can't he it's I think it's a big game for him to step up. I don't doubt that he'll play at Wembley as well because he seems to be working all right with Schneider, doesn't he? Mills, yeah, so. I suppose the, the only thing he's done is the assumption is that the, the, the lineup for the final will be um, what it was for the semi. Yeah. And there's no guarantee that's what it will be. So, in terms mm. of the half partnership, um, we're assuming it'll be Schneider and Milnes and Lewis all slotting at, at full back. But who knows what? <laughs> we don't I'm know. Honest, I think it will be the semi. Lineup, but as much as I feel sorry for him, I think it'll be Stone that misses out because I think Dean Adley is Willie Peters absolutely loves him, doesn't he? Loves his work ethic and everything. And I think he's the one that'll slot in. I think it'll be Stone that misses out, unfortunately. You think, well, Scott, on in my team, and, and we don't want to talk too much about the final because obviously we've got the game against Wigan and we've got a special podcast coming up next week. We've got lots of guests. Coming up on that, it's going to be a real special edition, that one. Um, on, on my bench, um, Stoughton missed out. I put Jimmy Kynost in just through his versatility. I included Hadley. Yeah. So you had uh, Hadley, um, Kynhorst, uh, Lytton, and uh, the other prop was... Um, it's going to come to me now. Give me another prop's name. Right. Luckily. Oh. Luckily. Luckily. Yeah. yeah, so that's where Stoughton misses out for me. But yeah, I mean that's my that's my choice. Who knows? <laughs> it's a tough one. Um, I agree with you. Jimmy might just get the nod due to his versatility. Um, he can slot into any of the back positions. He yeah. can slot into any of the forward. But he can play anywhere. You know, he's even had to go a prop in the past. I think Jimmy and he's football first receiver. You know, so I think that maybe just does give Jimmy the nod. I, I don't know, but it would be if Stoughton does miss out, it would be so unlucky on him. I think because mm. I think I, I, I like Matty Stoughton. I think he's a top player. Again, another player who goes all day, takes the ball up all day, defends for his life. But Jimmy might just get the nod because of his utility value, you know. And, and that, I guess that's the way the beast, isn't it? Ah, that's rugby, you know. He's got Willie's got to look at all options that might come up at Wembley, you know, a week on Saturday. And if if you need to play to fill in in a position due to an injury or you know a, a rejig of squad positions, then Jimmy's the man, I think, isn't he? Yeah, and Dan, what you would say finally is there's lots of players in that squad uh, for the Wigan game who won't play. You know for a fact they won't play, but there's a group of players who were who were Willie Peters would be looking at to go. Well, maybe if you you could nudge me yeah, and go, hang on, I do deserve a place in that in that final squad. So it's not it's not totally done and dusted who will play in the final yet. No, not at all. I think. Mean- Ninety percent done and dusted, isn't it? You know, you know your backs are roughly your backs are going to be. But I think the, the big one is starting. I think this is his game. He needs to leave everything out there against Wigan, doesn't he? And to, you know, I think the main reason why we've rested players is the is the uh, Ed concussion, the concussion protocol in it. I think if it was a week turnaround, we'd be all right, wouldn't we? But it's the fact that it's is it fourteen days or eleven days now or something? Eleven, yeah. So it's yeah, it's something that we had to bear in mind, and 
wrap, wrap them up in bubble wrap and that. But yeah, I think Stoughton is the main one, isn't he? He's, he's the one that's going to stick his, his claim for a place. He's the one that's sort of been been in the squad, hasn't he? While Hadley's been injured and he's been a fill-in, but he needs to. this is his moment to prove that he can he can be in that 17. Yeah, just, well... Like, you don't envy Willie Peters having to sit players down and say you've been playing every week. Oh, like something like start, you've been playing for the past few weeks, but unfortunately, you're not playing at Wembley. You're going to be sat in the stands watching. Yeah, and Scott, I mean, Willie Peters said this week his, his two favourite, the two things he's enjoyed the most this season was the first time he got to meet the group of players for the very first time. His second most favourite uh, team meeting was this week when he got the opportunity to hand three debuts to, to three of the, the, the academy lads. Um, no doubt one of his hardest conversations to come will be next week when he's got to tell certain players you will not be playing for Kingston Rovers in the Challenge Cup final. I think it's every coach's worst nightmare, you know, regardless whether it's rugby, football, FA Cup final, whatever it is, to sit a player down and say, you, you, you know, you, you're not playing at Wembley. It's probably one of the hardest, hardest jobs a coach has to have you know in a way it's a luxury because it means we've, we've got a decent squad to turn out for the final but as a from a coach's perspective to say to a player who's who has been playing regular week in week out you're not playing this week mate <laughs> uh, I, won't fight. I know it's his job but i, I won't find i won't swap it <laughs> i won't swap his place you know it's a tough job it's a you know but at the end of the day if he's telling a player like matty stoughton or jimmy kind or whoever it is that you're not playing at wembley it means that we've got a decent 17 on the pitch, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a great point to finish on. Look, we travelled to the DW Stadium in, in hope rather than expectation. And uh, all I would say is we wish the boys all the best. And if you are travelling over to support the boys in Wigan, be loud and be proud. It's certainly going to be an interesting game of Rugby League. And of course, next week, we've got a very special podcast as we build up to the Challenge Cup final. How exciting does that sound? Uh, lots of special guests coming on, so it's going to be one to, to tune into. Um, but for now, this is the Red Robin Podcast, which is powered by Budget Tires Auto Centre. And for now, just live, love, laugh and be happy. Yeah.